Hello and welcome to this special A Chat With episode of GasCast. I'll be your host, Duke, and alongside me is Max Alderson on producing duties. And joining us in the sporty is a man with more clean sheets than Johnson's The Dry Cleaners, a man who does more aerobics in 90 minutes than Joe Wicks has done in his entire life, and a man who is loving life as Rovers number one. It's James Belly Belshaw. Welcome, Belly. How, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, Chess. Thanks for the intro there. Very glittering introduction, but no, I'm all good. Yeah, no, glad to be here. I was, I was going to do another intro, but it would have slighted one of your, your teammates, so I didn't go for that in the end. But yeah, brilliant to have you in the it's sporty. I mean, this is a, a legendary gas pub. I'm a bit disappointed nobody's done a rousing chorus of Belshaw, Belshaw, Belshaw. But um, yeah, thanks for, for coming along, mate. First question is a really important one for, for GasCast listeners. You got the sporty pizza menu in front of you. What are you going for? Oh, it's going to be your standard base barbecue sauce as well. Big barbecue chicken pizza fan. Nice. Um, but then, yeah, a bit of peppers on there. And then the main thing with the pizza, though, the garlic sauce, the garlic dip. Yes, are, mate. Are they offering that here? Yeah, they they yeah, are. They certainly are. At least like two two parts of the garlic dip. Like you know, if you're <laughs> Hopefully the gaffer oh, isn't yeah. listening and oh. the nutritionist. Hey, post game, that's all fine. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> is is that still a thing? Post game. Sorry to interrupt your your toppings, but are you still getting the pizzas in if if you win after a game? Yeah. So the, the I mean, this food provided on the coach. Um, we have a nutritionist, Carbs, who well comes in once a week. I think he's a bit of a part timer, but um, but no, he sorts out the uh, the food for after games, um, home games, away games, and stuff. So yeah, it's just about reloading, really refueling after the game, and yeah, anything from pizzas, wraps, etc. So so yeah, got to refuel after the games. Do you get like uh, do you get like a, a say in what you get after the games, like a request for like what you will get in the following week if you fancy burgers or something after a match? I, th- I think there's few. Yeah, they'll, they'll take they'll take requests if we want to. But I think your bog standard is your, your pizza, like your chicken dippers and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not very <laughs> not very glamorous, like and probably. Not, but mate, if, not if, the if you're best winning, like fair enough. It's it's kind of like with the uh, the Cheltenham trip as well, isn't it? If if you back it up with with three points, have whatever. Yeah, I mean, anything's good in moderation, isn't it? So, yeah, and as long as it's contributing on the pitch, then that's all that matters. Exactly. I mean, it's it's certainly working. I mean, normally with these interviews, we delve back into your, your playing career and kind of academy football and, and what's led you to, to playing for Bristol Rovers. But, I mean, the way the season is, it's it's on a knife edge. We've got three games to go. I mean, pulsating and into the campaign so I think we're just going to focus on that because we've not had, had a player on Max have we during no. a promotion campaign no so, definitely not so yeah it's great to it's great to kind of get your insight into how things have been going this season from an insider perspective and you know get your take on it whilst yeah. the season's still active yeah no I, th- I think for me um, obviously the opportunity came quite quickly in, in the summer um, sort of came down here and had to obviously prove myself and and on sort of an extended trial period and and yeah which went well I mean the gaffer obviously saw something in me and and yeah I think even as players like yeah we'll admit it it was a tough start to the season there was a lot of I think there was the the relegation hangover um, there was a massive squad overhaul in the summer but one thing that we never sort of deviated from was that the belief that we had in the playing squad in the staff at at the quarters we were a close group and I think it just took time to gel um it obviously the gaffer's got his own ideas it's it's his team that he's recruited and, and his way of thinking and and it takes time to implement that it takes time to build relationships in football but we never doubted ourselves we knew that 
you look around the dressing room every day and you look at the quality of players that we've got um, and we were disappointed in ourselves as players that at the start of the season we weren't weren't sort of showing the form that, that we knew we were were capable of and I think there was yeah there was a lot of doubt from the outside looking in as, as players like you human beings you are aware of stuff that's been said and, and the kind of mood in the camp and you can sort of sense the the mood on the on the terraces on a Saturday or a Tuesday night but yeah we th- there was never any like crisis meeting there was never any sort of turning points I mean yeah there's a, a lot of home truth said after after certain games because we were massively underperforming but I think we showed glimpses early on in the season but just weren't doing it consistently and then I'd probably say I think one of the games that turned it for us was the we went, when we went to Harrogate and won one nil because they were going great guns at the time. I, know, I mean, I know it's my ex club, but they, they were they were going well at the time. And we went there and off the back of sort of a few like lacklustre performances, and and that was where we really dug in and and sort of won. Obviously, won one nil. I think the only the only other game that we'd really sort of done that was I think it was Walsall away when we came back late on. Yeah, I yeah. think that was the first away win in, in quite a while. Yeah. Sean Spence last minute when Spence was come up ninety yeah, fourth yeah. and. And I think from that Harrogate game, that was when we sort of went into the Oxford games. Uh, I mean, the comeback at the Mem, I think, was was incredible. <laughs> yeah, was, incre- was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think from that point, we've we've really sort of kicked on, and and I think the main thing is we've instilled like an identity and a way of playing. Um, we've had a more settled sort of eleven. We've had a settled way of playing, and I think from that point, it's it's been a real sort of real sort of good good few months but like I said we're, we're at that point in the season now where it's you've every game's a cup final and yeah. and everything you've done up to this point is is kind of meaningless but um but no I think to have put ourselves in the position that we have done it, it's credit to to everyone involved and credit to the fans for sort of for sticking with us because it would have been very easy to following the opening sort of results and looking at the table I mean we were just saying before we came on here like around Christmas time I think we were sort of 16th 17th I think it would have been very easy for fans to become disillusioned but I think you've seen early on in the season the attendance is sort of around five, six thousand and now you can't get a ticket mm. do you know what I mean even as players we, I can't get tickets for family members <laughs> do you know what I mean it's, it's the hottest ticket in town so to speak but no for us for us as players and staff and everyone involved at the club to have put ourselves in the position we have done it's, it's testament to everyone involved but yeah we've got three massive games possibly three more we, who knows um, to do something that I think every Rovers fan would agree would be incredibly special yeah yeah I mean does it make these moments at the end of the season even sweeter because of how bad the start of the season was I mean obviously our last game Port Vale away I mean that was one of the best away days I've ever had as as a Rovers fan and I think for me it it does make it a lot sweeter because I thought we were dead and buried I mean even though you still have belief in your your team and I think everyone could see it was a talented squad the way we were like Christmas time and how far away we we were how much does that kind of yeah make it sweeter when when you get those moments yeah I think in any in any campaign it's the the lows that make the highs what they are Um, and I think yeah early on in the season there's probably a few more lows that as a team than, than we would have liked but you touched on it there that that away following <laughs> Port Vale's ridiculous. Wow, yeah, I mean, you, I've seen some of the videos on Twitter, and for me as a keeper, you, you're right in front of it, and going behind after a minute, 
<laughs> you think you've got two and a half thousand gas heads behind your goal and you just thought like yeah this isn't great was, but, was there a lad offside you reckon uh, well we have so coaching staff have the they have an iPad on the side of the pitch that they can sort of watch and the analyst boys and they were saying straight away the lad was offside yeah it looks um, but and I think the gaffers sort of let the referee know in polite terms does that, it sound like him no that he thought he was <laughs> offside um, but then we watched we actually watched the video at half time and he wasn't Really, what he, he was yeah, on side, yeah. yeah. So it's and, and fair play to to the gaffer and, and Cootsie. We sort of said as we're walking out, sort of ref and say, look, you know what? We apologise. Like we got that wrong, and mm. and I think the main thing we wanted out of that game and, and the gaffer sort of alluded it in the change rooms before the game was to focus on what we can control. And it's going to be a good. We just want a fair game between two good like good sides. Port Vale are a good side, brilliant, yeah. Um, but I think for us to go to go one behind to come back in the manner that we did um, was great and like you said you see the scenes after we score the first I'm sort of turning around and you're looking there and there's two and a half thousand well 2,200 and it's it's incredible unbelievable it's, limbs, and, yeah. and for me you sort of look behind at that and go I, I've spent a lot of my career in, in non-league and sort of working my way up and playing in front of crowds of you know, two or three hundred and then you got an away following like that, and it, yeah, as players, it just makes it so much more special, yeah. Yeah, and and then we had the the little kids coming on at full time and getting their favourite players shirts, and I know Hawley was giving it out, Finley was giving it out, James Belshaw didn't give his his shirt away. The, well, James, the, the nasty James <laughs> no, Belshaw. James Belshaw got told off at Tranmere <laughs> quite severely for giving away his shirt because he was having a go. Foley is he uh, the kit man? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I saw I saw Derek's eyes as well, and and Dawn. <laughs> she's she's had to cut another long sleeve shirt for me to, into the short sleeves. But but no, I think the problem with the goalkeeper kits is I, I don't know whether it's public knowledge, but there were supposed to be different shirts at the start of the season. Yeah, the, the, with, like the, the, with the big score. Yeah, yeah. and what, so that was like. Too violent a message to have. Yeah, skull and I don't think the EFL were too happy with a, <laughs> a big full-size skull and crossbone on the chest. So, so yeah, they were what we were, supposed, we were supposed to wear. So I think these kits are from like two years ago or something. Yeah. But there's obviously not that many. So I've I literally have two grey shirts. Yeah. So then after the after the Tranmere game, the gaffer's gone around everyone and said, "Lads, get your shirts into the crowd. Get your shirts into the crowd." So obviously chucked it in the crowd and then Dawn I got to the training ground and Dawn was like you literally have one grey shirt like if you throw that if you give that away we're going to have to get in touch with the people to get it back mate, to wear could, it mate, for the game do you know what I mean skins next game mm, yeah I wouldn't mind that to be fair I'll show <laughs> that off but um, yeah. don't think the missus would be too happy like but um, but no I literally could not so I, there was like two or three kids come running off and they go James yeah. can I have your shirt can I have your shirt you feel so bad like because Oh, if I had, if I had enough shirts, I'd give one out every week. Do you know what I mean, I try. Cheers, and, belly, sun's crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I try and give out as many pairs of gloves as I can. Um, so I think I keep texting my sponsor saying I need some more gloves, need some more gloves. So I have had a delivery. So um, there'll be a few going out before the end of the season. Because, like I said, for me, as when I was a kid, I remember those moments of going to watch Notts County and getting on the pitch and asking for player shirts, etc. So you can engage that next generation and. I've get tagged in a few videos on Twitter of kids obviously wearing wearing the shirts and saying your name and that is very humbling and yeah very yeah very sort of heartwarming really. Just while we're on kits, um, why is it you prefer short sleeves as a keeper? Is that just because he's hard as fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so when I played when I played in America, it was boiling, so you couldn't get away with wearing a long sleeve kit. Um, so the kits there were short sleeves and then since I've sort of come back and played here I've just got used to wearing short sleeves and 
I don't like, you know, if you get like a baggy keeper kit and like the cuffs sort of go over your gloves, like on your strap, I just don't like yeah. having things sort of interfering like with your gloves. You just, you know what I mean? If it catches it wrong or the, the fabric gets over the glove and you drop the board, you know what I mean? And I just don't like any of that yeah. in my head. So no and, and, for error. unless, unless it's Baltic, then um, I'll be wearing short sleeves. I know my mum always messages me before the game. She'll be like, oh, it's cold. Make sure you've got your long <laughs> sleeves on today and all of this. So. Yeah, but you're doing your exercises throughout the, the game. You're, you're doing your aerobic routines. Yeah, like so Mr. Motivator, aren't you? Yeah, I? you yeah. are like Mr. Motivator. No, yeah. but, but if you think as a keeper, you, you stood out there, I, I can go 10, 12, 15 minutes without touching the ball. You just stand there, your legs seize up, all of a sudden you go from zero to 100. You've got to fly across the goal or yeah. in my case, you've got to come running out into their half and... <laughs> get on the ball or whatever you've got to do so you need to need to obviously try and stay warm and, yeah. and for me it's it's more more a mental kind of reminder that you're in a game here so yeah physically I'd, I'd probably be okay but mentally I'd, it's very tough as a keeper to kind of stay switched on because you're constantly running scenarios through your head at, when they get a corner when we've got a corner sorry it's like mm. well okay I need one defender here I need another defender here how many have they left up the pitch I need cover on that side what if they break on that side I need cover there so you, you're playing all these scenarios through in your head so just by just by moving it keeps you engaged and mm. keeps you switched on and then yeah if I need to obviously make a save then you yeah, I'd like to think I'm limbered up. So yeah, and and it provided entertainment when my missus came along this season. I was like, "Babes, the the, the ball's at the other end, and, and you're you're doing your your aerobic routine." He's like, "No, I'm just gonna watch Belly for a bit. He's, he's very <laughs> flexible, isn't he?" It's like, "Don't look at him. No, <laughs> no, I don't look like that." Oh, no, I'm glad I can keep her entertained. Yeah, <laughs> well, I can. <laughs> yeah, here he is. All right, ed- edit that out. Um, I mean, yeah. So, what is it like playing? I mean, because. You alluded to the fact you've never played in front of crowds like this before. Not only are you playing in front of these crowds, we're absolutely storming it. So, I mean, like your confidence must be sky high and you just must be loving it. Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, you you turn up to the mem and you could, I, could, so I come out for my warm up about two o'clock, so I'm always out before the lads. And you can sort of tell at that time if there's going to be a big away following or a big home crowd because the early ones are in watching the warm up or whatever. And then in the change rooms you can start to hear the crowd when you go back in and like the noise that they make is it is fantastic and people sort of think oh does it make a difference or but it really does like lads will talk about it after the game or you go like unbelievable sort yeah. of support and, and it does give you that lift and I think whether it's with the Thatchers behind us sort of whether that's in the first half you've kind of got that roar behind you and then or whether you're shooting into the Thatchers end and you've got but now what I've noticed is there's versions of good night Irene coming from all yeah. over the ground it we, does annoy we, me when they're all off sync though do you know when you've yeah. got like the West Terrace or whatever and you've got everyone <laughs> yeah. everyone singing three different versions but it's great like everyone's getting involved like noise coming from all around the ground and it's just it, it does honestly make a huge difference because like, like I said earlier players are human beings so if you've got 6,000 people who are on tender hooks and say mm. you know what I mean it kind of feeds onto you and you think makes players nervous or but if you've consequently, if you've got nine, ten, eleven thousand people screaming and everyone buzzing off what you're doing, like lad scoring, and it's just the place is it's just a great place to be. And mm. I think whatever we go on and do over these next few games, I think everyone will sort of remember. I, th- I think it's a team that everyone can be proud of. The yeah, way the yeah. way that we're playing, um, the way it's sort of engaging with the fans, and 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 it's a it's a group of good lads. There's there's no egos there's no bad eggs in the dressing room like everyone's th- there are a good bunch of lads who 
doing the absolute best to get this club up and I think the fans feed off that and, and I think as long as I mean I'm a football fan myself so mm. I have been there but when you when you see players that are committed to the cause giving 100% whether it comes off or not then you go yeah. you know what like in the if you do lose a game or whatever people might obviously be a bit upset but I think if you look at it and go you know what lads have grafted out there or it's just not quite come off or whatever but I think yeah that's the minimum requirement obviously going into the next few games and yeah let's go and do it brilliant and I mean it does work both ways we've spoken a lot on the the podcast about trust and you as a team have built that trust within the fan base so take Port Vale we have the worst possible start ever people in the stands were confident we were getting back because you've shown us time and time again you will get back into a game and something we've been missing for quite a while and and Kaz alluded to it on the last podcast was us singing goodnight Irene when we go one nil down we're like this doesn't phase us at all so so we've got that trust from you and it's that kind of positive feedback loop almost so we're all singing from this same hymn sheet and and confidence is just absolutely sky high yeah definitely like like you said there if if you go one nil down and fans are singing like it does make a massive difference any sort of interaction feedback from the crowd and and I think what I've seen the last again the last sort of few months if you look at the season in sort of two halves is the way we the way we were playing early on in the season is is similar to the way we're playing now. We just weren't as coherent with each other. We weren't as cohesive. Like I, I remember one game. I think it was Carlisle at home. We won three 0 but I was getting on the ball on sort of in the six yard box. We're playing out from the back, and you but you can feel like the tension yeah, like behind yeah. the goal. Whereas now I think there's that trust in what we're trying to do because we're executing it better everyone's a bit more on the same page and whereas before I think there's like you said ideas take time to bed in and when you whether you're in any job whether you're working in a supermarket or you're in an IT firm if you get three quarters of your team leaves and three quarters come in everyone takes time to figure out what their role is what they what they want from from each other so but now we're getting to that point like by no means perfect but when I get the ball I sort of we have more of a plan now of where players are who's what my out balls are what my sort of instructions are and then that will sort of feed through the team but like you said I'm a big sort of believer in everyone in it together and not just the 11 on the pitch because or the 14 or even like the lads that aren't even in the squad like yeah us players are the ones that can go on the pitch and and carry it out but it's doing it for the fans it's doing it for everyone in the city like and as a club because at some point we'll all be gone from the club but the fans will still be there so if they can look back in 10, 15, 20 years time and go oh that team under Joey like they like really really yeah. good team to watch do you know what I mean and, and that's what you, you sort of play the game for because we'll all everyone will go on different clubs people will move on at the end of the season it, it, it it's football but if you can have those, those moments where you interact with the crowd and, and you give them something to be to be buzzing about then yeah they're the special moments you'll take with you I feel like I want to run through like two brick walls after that I mean have, <laughs> have you got any plans going into coaching or, or management because I mean I've heard you speak before you you kindly came along to the talk club event we, we had and hearing you speak you get it you definitely get it so I mean do you do you have those kind of um, ambitions later on in life and and like also in, in the dressing room would you, would you say you're one of the the big voices kind of pushing everyone on yeah I think 
in terms of the next step, I, I do definitely want to stay in the game. I don't know in what capacity, whether I, w- I would imagine it would be on the coaching pitch, um, whether that's as a coach, manager, goalkeeper coach. Um, I think it's because you've, you've played the game, it doesn't necessarily make you a good coach and vice versa. You can have good coaches that haven't played the game. So you need to go and test yourself, see see what it's like. I do, I do run my own coaching business in Nottingham, so I've been running that for over six years now so I have experience in coaching I've worked through my outfield badges but there's a big difference in coaching sort of junior grassroots football and then going into men's football so yeah I think I think at some point I would would yeah would like to to go into coaching or I think I've I've taken a lot out of the game in my career and being able to kind of stay involved with it would be yeah would be absolutely fantastic and and in terms of my role at the club now in the dressing room, I think what we've found, particularly over the last last few weeks, we've got a very young back four. So yeah. We've got a young back four that, are, by the way, have been outstanding. Like lads, got, lad, I mean, lad, got lad, wise heads on them, though, haven't Lads they, have been excellent, they? but I think myself and Cootsie, sort of either side of that, two more sort of experienced, older pros can kind of... Bread talk, on a sandwich, almost. Yeah, just sort of talking people through games. And, and yeah, my, my role's to... to lean on my experience because I've had my careers I've had a lot of different experiences to like Paul Coots Glenn Whelan senior players have, have played obviously at a, a very high level whereas I've sort of come up through through the mm. lower levels but played we've all played obviously a lot of games of football we've all seen different scenarios so I think yeah just giving being able to pass on my experience to, to younger lads and and yeah I think obviously trying to help in whatever way I can so talk to us a little bit about the dressing room because, as, as you alluded to, we, we've got a lot of new players this season and, and, and a lot of players that the fans won't really know that much about. So, I mean, who are the big characters in the dressing room you mentioned? Cootsie, Wheeler, and I mean, who else stands out? Yeah, I think I think Cootsie and Wheeler were very vocal, very, but not in... I wouldn't say either a very sort of scream and shouting sort of way. I think... A lot of the messages that we're sort of getting across to each other at half time, um, I think it's obviously up to the manager to, to dish out like the dressing down or building people up. And But I think as, as players, you, you automatically look to your, your more experienced players in the group to to sort of say things at half time or to add little bits here and there. Um, but yeah, those, those two are definitely more two of the more sort of vocal. I mean, Sam Finley, again, another sort of older head kind of will offer his sort of thoughts at half times myself but I think what we are is we're a very sort of I'd say it's not a very hierarchical group if that makes sense it's not like yeah. right we're the ones that are allowed to talk younger lads aren't do you know what I mean that like Connor will come in and say people will offer different things do you know what I mean and that's what makes a good team it, if you get the same voices going you're not doing this you're not doing that then you don't get the best out of each other so I think if you you allow younger or quieter lads to sort of to offer things and, and take things on board it's that sort of environment where do you know what okay I'll take that on board and, and just because you're Glenn Whelan who's played 300 Premier League games or you're Luca Hall who's played 20 League 2 games do you know what I mean you still have the same value in the dressing room and, and your opinion can be just as important or what you have to say is just as important as the next one so yeah you don't want 20 lads in the change room all saying different things but the gaffer will come in and 
first thing he'll always say what does everyone think what do people think and then there'll be a few sort of comments made and then Gaffer will give us his thoughts and the same when we go to the quarters and we go through the video the the first time we're in after a game we'll have a meeting and the Gaffer will put the, put the clips on and his first sort of thing will be right what do everyone think to the game there'll be sort of three or four again usually the, the older lads will sort of dive in and say X, Y and Z but it's a very sort of democratic kind of changing room where everyone's opinion is valued and I think that's important because if you've got young lads who are just made to feel sort of not valued but sort of talked down upon or whatever I think you can kind of make them go into the show and what you want with the younger lads like Elliot, Luca, Connor, Beefy like you, you want those lads to, to feel 10 foot tall in the jersey because there's pressure especially in these games now there's, there's a lot of pressure every game you go out and one mistake do you know what I mean and it's and it will happen mistakes will happen in these next three games or whatever it takes they're not going to be perfect hmm. players are going to make mistakes so anything you can do off the pitch to, to help players confidence or help them to get better is yeah why wouldn't you yeah so it, it seems like there's a lot of honesty within the squad the way you described it there people will dig each other out if, if they need to and, and be honest about performances and where you can improve. But on the other side of that, there, there seems to be real good harmony and it seems like you do get on as a group. I mean, is is there any like big jokers in, in the group and kind of what is that side of it like in the squad? Yeah. I wouldn't say there's like your class clowns. I don't think there's any sort of... There's a few lads that are, <coughs> excuse me, at the centre of jokes usually or like butter the jokes yeah and there's a few lads who's, that, who's butter the joke then oh I can't put I can't, put <laughs> um, can't dig them out yeah there's a, there's a few that get um, they get a rough time but I'd say they, they bring it on themselves a little bit but <laughs> but no as a dressing room it's a, it's a very close dressing room um, it's, it's a great place to go to work and we have little things during the week um, sort of weekly rituals that kind of bring everyone together everyone has a laugh a bit of a joke and because it's important to do that particularly in high pressure situation like that like we're in we, we've had sort of team bonding sessions we've had days out together do you know what I mean a few nights out and and all, all that's important and you learn a lot about each other when you're away from football so on your your day trips out or your nights out or whatever and been out with a few of the lads for drinks or meals or whatever and with missus and everyone's getting to know each other like you learn a lot about e- each other in that way and and it sort of helps you on the pitch because when you learn about someone as a person you then know what gets the best out of them so if you're going out out for a few drinks with someone and quite quiet or they don't like it when x y and z's happening you go okay like how can that how can i help them on the pitch do you know what i mean and what i'm saying to them may not be working or the way you deliver messages so i think it's extremely important it it builds relationships yeah it's not going to be oh well if someone's in in holding midfield it's going to play like you're not going to work on those sort of connections but yeah. the sort of relationships you build and whether it's okay some couple of players are getting a bit closer everyone's closer as mates so I'll run that bit harder for him or I'll track that winger all the way back and I think there was one with Evo a few weeks ago where I think someone's given the ball away and Evo's ran 80 yards and made a tackle on the edge of the box like you see lads giving everything for each other so the better your relationships are that will transfer onto the pitch yeah, is 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 how people tick, isn't it? And it it seems like you you really un- understand that. And, and we've spoken previously about about your interest in kind of sports psychology. So mm. so that's a real big part of your game and a big part of the the collective squad. Well, I'm just just a big believer in 
in helping people and whatever you can do to help people and people struggle with different things people go through difficult times throughout the course of the season I mean I'm obviously not going to go into it but there's lads that have, have struggled throughout the season whether that's off the pitch or with form or mentally and, and things things have gone on and and I think as a unit we've all brought in together to to help those people and and yeah like I, d- I don't have a background or a degree in sports psychology or mental health or anything like that but like we've had a few chats before and I just think if you can offer something that helps one person in any sort of way whether that's the lad who's playing next to you whether that's the chef at the training ground whether that's the guy washing the kit or whether that's the guy on the front row in the stands like mm. do you know what I mean <laughs> everyone's everyone's human at the end of the yeah. day and I think people see obviously footballers as I think in general like footballers you're out there you're we're very privileged to do what we do but we're human beings so like you said any relationship that we can build or help we can give to each other is going to benefit the performances exponentially. Yeah, I think we forget that as as fans because obviously we we see for for ninety minutes on the pitch and we obviously expect you to to do your very best for Bristol Rovers and and win every game if you can, but we forget the sacrifices you, you make as players. On one side, it it is a privilege, and I I do agree with that. But then you've still got players many players in in the squad today leaving their families who live miles and miles away i mean like cootsie for example his his young family are up in scotland and and he's made the decision to come down and and play for rovers so from a personal level that is going to be tough and it's going to be difficult to adjust yeah I, i i'd agree with that i don't think people see footballers as having lives do you know what i mean like we have mortgages we have families we have wives girlfriends kids own problems in life do you know what I mean so and like you alluded to there like Cootsie obviously his missus and his kids are up in Aberdeen you've got lads in the northwest. you've got myself in Nottingham you've got lads all over the place you've got physio who lives in Hull who, do you know what I mean yeah. you've got everyone who's travelling down and people maybe don't realise how much everyone's bought into it people, people sacrificing time away from the families and I think it's helped with the staff a lot obviously the staff everyone knows are, are northwest based but the commitment that they show to being away from their young families kids etc and then you get other players buying in and if you've got the gaffer staying down here then you've got everyone else do you know what I mean everyone wants to buy in and like today today at training a lot of the lads are staying um, staying down to, staying down so we, we've got like two touch going on after training and in the changing room so there's like a bit of a following going like people are joining this two touch in the changing rooms but lads don't want to leave because everyone's down here they're away from the family so it allows you to focus on mm. on football but it's tough don't get me wrong like I know I've had a lot of conversations with, with my missus I can only speak obviously from, from my sort of situation and it's tough for her she, back in Nottingham by herself do you know what I mean so I think for us, yeah, in an ideal world, we'd look to move down, but it's not as it's not as simple as just getting a place down here. We've got a mortgage on a house in Nottingham. You've got to find a place in Bristol, which is very difficult. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Property in Bristol's quite sort of mad. Yeah, yeah like gold gold dust at the minute. But but yeah, you, you've got all that going on, and like on a Saturday, lads will go home and got lives and just go back to normal sort of everyday existence. And and yeah, I think. What, what we have built is that culture at the club that, yeah, you know what, a lot of us are away from our families, but let's give this the best go and do something incredible together. And 
the promotions that I've had in, in my career and when I've been part of winning teams or lads that have been part of winning teams, they're the moments that you take with you. Very rarely do you take friendships with you. Like in football, you'll move team and you, you don't speak to people or you'll catch up with them every now and then, but you'll always remember that time that you got promoted or that feeling of being in the dressing room. And then when you do bump into each other six, seven, eight, twenty, twenty five 25 years down the line, you chat and go, remember that year we had at Rovers? Or, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's, yeah, it's something very special. And like I said, I feel very lucky to be a part of it. Yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's time for heroes. And obviously your playing career is, is short. So, so you, you want those, those memories to make. So following on from what you were saying about moving away from home and, and the difficulties on a personal level that, that brings, I mean, you must have been buzzing to, to sign that contract extension, not only... Has your form for Rose been outrageously good and you've got that number one jersey? It means you can probably settle down in, in Bristol for a bit and presumably bring, bring your missus down? Yeah. I mean, the con- the contract was going on for a while. It was something that the, the gaffer spoke to me about a few months before it was signed. Um, but obviously these things take time and there was more pressing issues. I'd, and to be fair to the club, they, I had another year on my deal, but they wanted to to speak about an extension and and I think I think everyone who's watched me play knows how much I enjoy playing for Rovers and and I think people can see how much it means and and what I bring to the table so for me yeah, it was was a no-brainer to obviously stay but but that comes with obviously prob not problems but it comes with decisions and like my missus got got a job back in Nottingham so for me it's like okay asking her to make immense sacrifices to support my career and that's well it's not fair on not fair on her for me to ask her to do it but because she's so good like she'll support me through through whatever so yeah I I know now I've got mm, the next few years down here so we, we can sort of look with a bit more security at places down here but what I've seen in football like I had a three year contract at Harrogate I had two years left to run on that and then things obviously happen and you change and football is such a such a cutthroat business that if you're not if you're not doing the business week in week out then all of a sudden you find yourself out of the team next thing you know you've not got a club like it's a very sort of it's not a very secure sort of mm. industry to be in so you're asking people to obviously uproot their lives and move down and, and for me like yeah I'm confident that over the next few years I'll give everything to this club and get it to where it needs to be um, but the actual process involved with with moving like last week I had someone come around to my house back in Nottingham to look at renting it out okay I've never rented a property out before so looking at okay what's what income am I getting from this okay sorting out your bills there what's this going to get me in Bristol am I going to buy in Bristol am I going to rent where am I going to live do you know what I mean there's all these questions that come I've got a wedding in the summer so I'm getting married in the summer congratulations thank you so I've got all that to to come obviously an exciting summer but up and up until that's done you, you can't really can't really think about it because over the next few weeks my focus is on rovers getting promoted then in the summer you've got the wedding which is going to be great do you know what I mean but there's a lot of work that goes into that so we've me, me and my missus we've had a few conversations about moving down and, and what that would look like and how it would work etc but at the same time we can't can't do anything until the start of next season so so yeah it's it's good problems to have because it means that you want it and, you, and you're doing well at a club um but yeah logistically there's a there's a lot of sort of barriers to overcome 
Yeah, so it's just eight months on from when you initially signed. You got that improved deal, and it's going to keep you here till 2024. I mean, could you have expected your first season with Rovers to go this well? No, I. In a weird sort of way, because I'd gone back to pre-season with Harrogate. I had three days there. Um, turned up, had my squad number taken off me. Had a lot of issues, obviously, going on there, and just felt it was obviously a bit unjust what was happening and but that's football like people people in decisions well people in positions of power and football are paid to make decisions for the best of the club and you have to trust that and it was clear that my future didn't lie there and I remember I got a text from a lad I used to play with who knew Tony Warner the goalkeeper coach and he screenshotted it and sent it to me I was in the hotel in in Harrogate and he was like oh just that this is Bristol Rovers goalkeeper coach texting me asking me how you are then my agent got in touch and was like yeah they want you down there um, so I'm thinking sweet like <laughs> I just want to get out do you know what I mean it was at that point yeah. when I needed a fresh challenge and so you didn't really have time to kind of think about it because it was got the call in the afternoon drove down that night was training the next day here wow. so I had two two weeks here of like I said a, a trial period to sort of give the gaff a chance to look at me to see whether I was to his fancy and then he got the deal done and I think at that point it was like okay I just had football sort of taken away from me so you kind of appreciate being at a big club like this the training facilities the the everyday life of being here so you just kind of focus on you know what I'm just going to focus on performing I'm going to perform in training wait for my chance if it comes great if it doesn't you know what like I'm at a club that I want to buy into I want to buy into everything that the club has to offer and I think in football chances come out of the woodwork and when chances come for people and it's about taking them and like I said I've loved every minute of playing on the pitch and, and like I said I'd, I think for me as a footballer or as a professional in, in any industry if you finish your working day or you finish a game you come off that pitch and you go you know what like I've given everything and I can say in myself that you look yourself in the mirror and go, you know what, I've given everything today. And it might sometimes, it, some days it might not be good enough. There might be mistakes, there might be things that happen in over the course of the season or the next few games, but it's, it won't be through lack of trying, lack of effort, lack of preparation. And for me, that's, yeah, that's the, the sort of best thing you can do as a player. So how confident were you of claiming that number one spot? I mean, we got Ansi Yukola, who's, who's a fantastic keeper, a Finnish international, and you've, like you said, played most of your career in, in non-league, and, and you, you come in and you claim that number one spot pretty quickly. So, I mean, how confident were you when you came in? Yeah, I, when, I, when I signed, you sort of, you see messages on Twitter, you see kind of feedback and a lot of the comments from people were, oh yeah, pleased to have signed him, but it was probably kind of, not under the radar, but I don't think many people were like, oh, okay, we've signed, like buzzing to have signed and, James I mean, Belfry. was one I mean? of the best keepers in League One. Well, An- Ansi is one of the best yeah, keepers. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I've worked with Ansi a lot over the course of the season and, and Ansi's a phenomenal keeper and he's a great professional. The, the hours he, he puts in the gym um, and I think, unfortunately for him, he, he's just had rotten luck with injuries which happens with players but it happened to me I got injured for a couple of games and Ansi's come in and done outstandingly well so we look at this club that we've got three excellent goalkeepers who 
whoever's tasked with the jersey will will do a great job. But for me, yeah, it's it was about not taking anything for granted. Really, you get your chance to perform. You okay? You done all right in your first game? Okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Like my second game was the game away at Exeter. You fall down for twenty minutes, and you're like, got gas heads behind the goal, and you're thinking, wow, like. <laughs> Were you getting any abuse directed at you? I mean, obviously you're, you're the keeper. I mean, those four goals not obviously not your, your, your fault, but f- no, the, the gas says no, no, the, the, there was, and you look, but you're looking, and but rightly so as as fans, like fans are frustrated. You you four 0 down after 20 minutes. Like fans have a, a right to do that, but like it could have been very easy for to be made a scapegoat because you're a keeper for people to sort of look and go, oh, he's a new keeper, like, but. Again, when, when you're given your opportunities in football, you, you you have you have to perform. And fortunately for me, it's the gaffers continue to select me, which yeah, I owe him a lot for that. But it's just about doing the best you can in the jersey because we've had a lot of lads this season who who have played a lot of games, and there's lads who who have been frustrated. But we do we do an eleven v eleven on a Thursday is usually looking at shape and. You look at the two 11s the gaffer puts out and it's like, pff, any of those 11s could play. Like if you were a so-called Spygate looking at the 11s, you look and go, well, which one's going to play? Do you know what I mean? We've, we've got that many good players. So, so yeah, whoever's tasked with the jersey, it's about getting this club up. Because one of the main, the main sort of focal points that the gaffer's focused on in terms of promotion is that everybody wins. It's something that he says quite a lot. It's, when you get promoted, everybody wins, whether you've played a minute, whether you've played 46 games, whether you've had a great contribution or not contributed as much. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's part of a promotion winning side. So for us, obviously, that, that's, that's the goal. But it's about, it's about three points. And to be honest, at this stage of the season, whether it's me, whether it's Ansi, whether it's Jed, whoever's playing, like, you'd do anything for, for three points to, to get this club promoted. Yeah, as uh, Neil Warnock famously said, you, you gotta die for three points. Yeah, I get someone tags me in that every Saturday before. Because <laughs> one bloke I don't know. So, yeah, so, sorry one. about that, mate. Yeah, I, I get tagged in that every uh, every home game, so it does tickle me. Though. I do love those <laughs> Warnock videos. Have oh, you seen Warnock the one with Guardiola? Un- un- oh, unreal! When he because um, he announced his retiring, didn't he? Yeah. And to be fair to Warnock, he's a bit of a Notts County legend. Took Notts is, County is to really, back-to-back yeah, promotions. Yeah. I think in the early nineties. But when, when he announced his retirement, Twitter was gold with yeah, all the, yeah. the comparing with the, the Warnock and Guardiola one. So I'd say to anyone who's listening, if you've not seen it, take sort of two and a half minutes out of your day and just Google it because it's brilliant. Yeah, no, he's football, isn't it? You know, the chalk and cheese and two managers with very different ideas, but 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 that's that, the same but thing. That, like you said, that is the beauty of football. Like both successful managers, both have done it in two completely different ways. So again success is a very sort of like obscure kind of concept it's just all about perception what your perception and ideal of success is but like Neil Warnock's led oh, I think he's had most games in management 10-11 promotions do you know what I mean so yeah he's as successful as Pep and albeit done it in a very different way yeah and so like going on to to Barton he really did give you that vote of confidence when you signed like you said it, it wasn't just a case of coming in being a number two and, and being satisfied with that I mean his quote when you first signed he goes the experience James has gained through two recent promotions and having played a substantial amount of games last year in League 2 
will be vital for us in achieving our objectives for this season and beyond. He'll be another excellent addition to our squad. So, I mean, you, you had that vote of confidence from the very get-go. And like you say, when you're out for, for two games, you, you come straight back in. So, I mean, how important is, is that when, when you get that vote of confidence? Oh, it's, it's massive. Um, and the gaff has been, been very positive with me very sort of very clear from sort of the get-go really so when I was down here like you say on that sort of two-week kind of trial period I obviously had a few conversations with him trying to see where his head's at and he said to me after a couple of days he was like if I wanted just a number two to sit on the bench I'd have signed you straight away because you can play in goal but obviously I hadn't but he said to me look I want someone who's coming in as a number two and was very clear about you coming in as a number two but I want someone who can fight and push and I think that's important. You need someone to push because it raises performances and you need that competition for places. Like I said, you, you, you could pick two players in each position that would get the job done. So, yeah, the gaffer's been, been fantastic with me and can't speak highly enough of him as a man, as a manager. Um, the, way he, the way he sets teams up, a very intelligent man. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've got... No sort of, not got a bad word to say about him, really. So what his team talks like? I mean, I, I doubt they're they're Warnock esque, but can you talk us through what a what a pre match team talk from uh, Joey Barron's like? <laughs> he's he's quite philosophical, Joey. Before um, before games, there's there's quotes put up in the changing rooms, and there's sort of he'll outline what he wants. A lot of the messages are the same. He's got like a flip chart and you can see the messages that have been put throughout the season and there's kind of running themes throughout and sometimes you'll go back to previous messages. But I think on a, on a match day, he's, I think the tactical work's been done, been done in the week or the review on the opposition. When we have a pre-match meal at the quarters, we'll look at the opposition a bit more in depth, look at a few clips and he'll go through what we can expect etc anything we've not covered in the week but I think it's just about confidence and about I think at that point you're not going to make someone a better player half an hour before a game by telling them okay I want you to get the ball out your feet and knock it channels or I want you to do this that and the other but you get you put an arm around someone and go you're going to win the game for me today all of a sudden 10 feet tall do you know what I mean so I think he's very aware of what players need very good sort of man manager but the main thing you get from him is passion like the gaffer is he doesn't pull any punches do you know what I mean yeah. and, and to be honest a lot of people when when I go back to Nottingham he's, he's obviously had a, a very good career in the game but I mean a lot of when I see Rovers fans around oh what's Joey Barton like is the, the first question on most people's lips and I'd say he's exactly what you'd expect like it's not an act what you see on the pitch like his three fist pumps that he does after wins and that that's not an act like he's one of the most passionate men that I know and his his team talks yeah if, if you're on the wrong end of one then you know you're on the <laughs> wrong end of you know you've not played well but and the consequently when you've done well for him it, it makes you feel 10 feet tall so yeah he's very passionate but I think what people don't give him a lot of credit for is his football intelligence his football in IQ got very sort of good ideas of how he wants teams to play and as a staff it's a with the exception of Bondi it's a very young sort of yeah. coaching staff I think Bondi's obviously there with his experience of working with 
teams in the Champions League, do you know what I mean? But it's a very young coaching staff and a lot of them have been players or recently sort of retired. So they kind of know what players want, what players need. So the, the methods are very sort of new, up and coming. But a lot of stuff we do in the week, it's like you, you put clips of Liverpool on, or the, or the best teams that do it and teams that will play in a similar way to us and go, just watch these boys and just watch the way they do it. Okay, if they... F- if Robertson or Alexander-Arnold doing this, why aren't my fullbacks doing this? Or, okay, you see him doing yeah. it, that's what I want from you. And Or we'll watch clips and you'll go, what they're doing there is similar to what you boys are doing. And Just a lot of the stuff we'll, we'll do is, is data-driven. So we've got a good analyst team who will put PowerPoints on, I think, bamboos or some of the lads because there's numbers <laughs> all over the screen that they go through. Um, but looking at like where we are like obviously not going to go into it but stats that we're we're performing above expectations but then stats that like people wouldn't think we were performing below expectations and you look at it and go oh actually like okay how can we get this better and then the session plans are based on that and looking at how we can improve as a team so yeah he's very yeah very good yeah really good manager and it seems to me and, and a lot of gases because we've had so many questions in about this as, as your role as a, a sweeper keeper and I think that's been a hallmark of our upturn in, in form is, is the high high line and, and the high press we've got. And, and obviously you're you're very far up and, and very comfortable with, with your feet. So, I mean, do you think that was quite conscious from Barton to, to amplify your strengths as a goalkeeper? I mean, especially when you're comparing yourself to, to Ansi as well. I mean, Ansi is, like you say, a brilliant keeper, an inter- international keeper, but you would never see Ansi that far outside of his goal but then in the same breath you'd see Ante doing stuff that I can't do do you know what I mean granted yeah every every, every keeper every player has their own strengths and weaknesses and I do things that people can't do but then there's a lot of things that I don't do as well as others do you know what I mean but the way the way the gaffer wants to set up with the high press the high line it it sort of suits the way that I want to play and it's not the, the way that I play it's not me getting bored and trying to get involved or trying to trying to do things that Are I should be sure <laughs> no no not, not do things that I shouldn't be doing it's it's me thinking okay that ball's there I'm the closest person to the ball so I'm going to go get the ball and yeah I might be 30 40 50 yards from goal but you see I don't know you do it a few times and lads sort of get confidence in you and I'm very lucky to play for a manager and a coaching staff that sort of give me free reign to make those decisions because I think there's a lot of managers who would sort of for want of a better word like put the reins on you and say whoa 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 don't want you out there want you in the goal doing what a goalkeeper should do but the way the modern game is if I can if I've got the ball 50 yards from goal it's much better than me having it 10 yards from goal so and yeah I'm quite comfortable with the ball out there yeah yeah. we've got a question from Nick Knowles on Twitter who just simply asks are you a frustrated outfield player (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think I know the answer to it no I, to be honest like sometimes you think oh I would like to have a go playing that field yeah, I mean yeah. as a kid I did a bit of both but what, uh, what position would you go for that's, um, that's a question from Simon Gray we've had in I think where I mm, I think where my, I'd be better suited in that sort of Paul Coots role just sitting in front of the back four just running around getting up and down yeah. quite fit so I can yeah. do box to box and stuff but the way I fall down is I say to, say to a lot of the lads like when we're doing the five o's in training or the ball's in front of me and everything's in front of me I'm fine very comfortable 
don't mind a step over. Do you know what I mean? When everything's in front of me. But you look at what the lads do in midfield, receiving the ball on the half turn with three lads behind them. Like that's when I'd had four to pieces a bit there, I think. Or if I'm going on mazy runs trying to take people on. So yeah. I'm quite happy with the gloves on. So as, as a keeper, you can see obviously the whole pitch. But in the midfield there, obviously the awareness that, that Cootsie has to have to know where everyone is without even looking in that direction, knowing and having that trust in those players to be where they should be and make those passes. But again, yeah. that's 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 the beauty of a team like Anthony Evans does things that Luca Hall can't do, but Connor Taylor does things that Azza can't do. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. in the team for their own skill set and we've got a good blend of well, we've got a great blend of characters, but we've got some very, very talented players in that team. And yeah, it's a yeah, good group at the minute. Do you get advice from those players? Because obviously you, you play out with your, your feet quite a lot. Are you, are you asking people like Evo, kind of, I'm in this situation, how do I do it? Or is his abilities just so so much higher? It's like, I could, I could never do that. And, and do you, I mean, we got a question in from James Butler. Do you train with the outfield players as well? We do when we're needed. So we have, at the quarters, there's two full-size pitches and then there's goalie land, which is an 18-yard box on one side <laughs> yeah. where me Ansi Jed and Tony Warner are off doing our goalie training um, but then when we called in to, to be with the, the first what well, the outfield players but a lot of it is just when they need a keeper if they're doing finishing practice or it's shape work or in the five sides but yeah I, th- I think now the way the game's going and I run my own goalkeeping academy in Nottingham and, but a lot of the emphasis is about playing with the feet because I think it's an almost like archaic way of thinking that goalkeepers are there or oh, I want a six foot nine goalkeeper that boots it do you know what I mean two lengths of the football pitch whereas now you want players who like goalkeepers to get on the ball and be able to pick passes be comfortable on, under possession because yeah when I've got the ball well ten or five yards from goal like it's a high pressure situation so you, you need to be comfortable with it but but yeah I, I mean I wouldn't say I speak to the lads about advice on what to do in those scenarios because I think they just let me get on with it yeah, yeah. So, but yeah I, if I've got the ball like I said 40-50 yards from goal and I can pick a pass it's much better than booting it out of play and giving them a throw in inside our half and and yeah there's times when it's not going to come off or you, you're playing that high risk high reward sort of football but it's having that trust in me from the back four ultimately because I think when I first started to do it I think there's a bit like oh what's he doing mm. this is isn't sort of what they'd expect but now I think if you watch games any ball that goes over the top you just look watch Connor and Beefy they just look to me straight away just to see where I am and I think it's got to the point where if I'm not there they're like oh what's what's going on I mean there's been so many moments this season I mean the, the amount of points you, you've probably won us this season is probably as high as I can remember for a Rovers keeper. I mean, look at the Port Vale game. You, you came out and absolutely smashed their lad. I mean, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, yeah, you, he, I mean, you must you must feel that yourself. That all right? I've I've uh, I've won us a couple of points there. Yeah, well, that is. Uh, He's actually one of my mates. I'm in a WhatsApp group with him. He sent me um, he sent me a picture after the game of that challenge because I've I've got the ball and it sort of hit it against him and it's gone out for for a goal kick and he was sort of questioning the the red card decision, but it was definitely a fair challenge. Was, I mean, one. it was meaty, but it was yeah. fair. Um, I think I don't know if you look at the way that I play. I guess you, you'll never know how many opportunities you kind of stop, but 
I always think if I can get, if I can make a tackle 50, 60 yards from goal, it prevents a one-on-one situation. So, in effect, it's creating less work because keeping the ball away from the goal and not giving them a chance to score. I think there's one in the Oxford game when I think it was Matty Taylor on the halfway line and you just think, right, I'm 50 yards from goal here. I've got to tackle him. I absolutely love that. <laughs> and, and every other guess. And it but was you, amazing. Know, you know, like if I'm looking back on... People ask you, oh, what's your best save this season or whatever. Like, That's going to be my I, next question. Oh, I was, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably say that. Because what, smashing Matty Taylor? <laughs> well, yeah, Gasheads will, Gas will love that. But, but you know, like, that tackle on the halfway line is, in my opinion, that, I see that as like a save. Yeah. So, yeah, but like I said, if I can do that. I'd, against Tranmere, I think I broke my record. I was in their half. I sent it to the analyst. I asked them to check how high I was is it? Yeah. when I stepped out. So. Um, talking about the Tranmere game, um, our very own Harley Form is on his... Stag dude, did you uh, clock a Bristol City shirt in the, I, I, the away end? Yeah, well, you, you did speak to me before that, and I did sort of keep an eye out from him. Um, but yeah, I think in a in a away end where red is probably not the preferred colour, to see the one guy in the full red tailor kit. Madness, um, absolute madness. But to be fair, in terms of the the Bristol City thing, obviously I know it's a big sort a big rivalry. Again, I'd love to play against them at some point, but. Me and me and Wheelow went to watch the Bears one time, and we went to uh, obviously watch them at Ashton Gate. But we got in Wheelow's car and we went to drive, and because we're both living away from home, like, yeah. we didn't have much stuff with us. So the only big coats we had were, were Rovers coats. <laughs> Love it. So me and Wheelow have put on these big Rovers puffer jackets at Ashton Gate and get a few of them. Oh, you don't see many of those coats <laughs> around here, but then you get a few like oh up the gas. Do you know what I mean from like the yeah. the gas heads that were there? But I mean football. Yeah, fans obviously it's a city rivalry it's, 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 it's a big rivalry um, but yeah having someone in a city kit on his stag do with a snake and a tailor shirt I don't think is uh, don't think is probably the best thing to be seen in not, not ideal <laughs> not ideal so, so have you enjoyed that then like obviously live, living in Bristol who, who are you living with in Bristol by the way so me me, Wheelow and Evo is it? live nice. together in a house yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, what's it been like just, just being around the city? And, like, I mean, are people coming up to you in, in supermarkets and, like, asking for, for pictures? And what's that like? Yeah, it's, again, it's another reason why I feel lucky to play for a club like this. And, I've, I mean, it's taken a lot of hard work to get here. Because, I mean, w- would that have happened no, when you played for Harrogate? No, exactly, no. because it's, it's not really happened in my career. And you sort of, you realise the following and you're tweeting something in this sort of few hundred thousand people like not hundred thousand but a hundred or a thousand yeah, people yeah, yeah. sort of liking tweets and you, you go out in the city and I think now I go out and where we live there's a family that live over the road and their gas is come running over when you get back asking to sign stuff and yeah. and yeah when I'm out and about there's people who ask for pictures and and stuff and and yeah it's not it's very humbling very humbling and I've been quite fortunate that a lot of the a lot of the publicity and the press and the comments from fans directed towards me this season have been have been positive because as much as as much as you you try and avoid sort of negative comments like you you, you see comments like if you have I have a Twitter account I have an Instagram account they're both public you you put yourself in that mm. limelight to, to be shot at and and yeah you see you see the negative comments you see the positive comments I try and respond to to as many as I can and but yeah. I was out with my missus in Harbourside a couple of weeks ago and the bloke stops me and says oh he's 
kid's a massive fan and all of this and and it's just you start to think you know what like you're doing something special you, you, yeah you, and and any sort of because that kid will go back he'll go to school or whatever and be like oh not just met James Belshaw or whatever but met if you when you meet people who are footballers or who can people look like especially kids look up to it so yeah taking the time to 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 talk to them to message people and but yeah the the city's great um I've sort of been looking at areas to live sort of next year and missus is sort of saying well do we want to live in Bristol surrounding areas and I think if I did if we do move I'd want to be in Bristol especially for my missus to be there's a few of the lads that live around here so she's we haven't got any family down here so she'd know obviously a few of the girls and they can sort of get together and whatever so so yeah there's a there's a few few sort of areas very nice city and been out and about in it quite a bit and yeah but there's a lot worse places you could be in the country <laughs> yeah well well move to the the top of Gloucester Road and then then when we get another promotion you'll be uh, going down Gloucester Road on top of people's shoulders yeah. I mean have, have you seen much of that from, from our, our promotion from League 2 I mean it's it's infamous that 92nd minute winner from Lee Brown and, and the scenes afterwards was, that the, was it Dagenham Dagenham yeah. yeah and I mean I don't know if you've spoken to Wal about it but I mean Wal had only been at the club for a few months and he Max yeah, and, and then he carried down the street on people's shoulders <laughs> it's, so. it's madness I mean just on, on a note on why what an owner he is by the way yeah. like absolutely fantastic guy as a club as players like whatever you need it's there He's, I mean even little things like he'll always message me on Instagram like checking how things are or whatever and you see him he's round the quarters but the at the quarters I don't know if people have seen it so we've got a big gym and then the physio room's on there but there's a massive picture across the wall of the the mem and I'm assuming I think it's the promotion game there with everyone on the pitch and it's sort of like you walk into the physio and and I mean it's absolutely massive so you're looking on there and going that's that's what it'd be like that's got to be a moment yeah Yeah. you you want those moments you want you you see the the happiness that it can can bring to people and yeah whether I'm yeah, if we do get promoted and I'm being carried down Gloucester Road or whatever, I don't mind it. Yeah, mate. What I mean, what a what thing to to spur you on. I mean, so we have got a few more questions from Twitter and Facebook. Um, and obviously, the, the season hasn't finished yet. But I mean, have you got a favourite game this season? That's in from Tom Smudger. Uh, Oxford. I think the yeah, the, the Oxford yeah. replays that feeling of because there were there were two games to be fair. I was quite busy um, so for me as a keeper like you feel more involved in those games and gone to extra time went 3-1 down quite quickly and you're thinking you know what I mean everyone feels deflated I think with all due respect like the manager's made three subs um, to kind of I think he, to rest players it I think he brought, like brought Evo yeah, off yeah. And, bought a f- and to be fair play to Spano he's come on and scored the second and you think okay got a chance here Um I think I had a one-on-one save towards the end of the first half extra time and you, you sort of feel like you're frustrated like yeah. 3-1 down and then it's like <coughs> the gaffer was on the, the obviously the team tops on the pitch and you could see the frustration like lads you just sort of like cr- not crumbled do you know what I mean mm. and then obviously Spano scores and then Azza scores I mean Azza's goal seemed like it was born out of frustration I mean because he hadn't had he scored at all before that goal? It's Collins' it, first it was, Rovers goal, wasn't it? Some strike that as well. Un- unreal. I mean, that was massive for him, wasn't that, it? That left, that left footed. So as that's gone in, I think there's about three or four minutes to go. And I've started to run up to celebrate. 
so you just the emotions you're buzzing but then I'm thinking right okay got penalties in a couple of minutes yeah. like okay yeah. just chill out calm yourself I've I'd prep for penalties like done everything I needed to so it's right okay calm yourself down like kind of keep a level head and then when Spenno scored it's just <laughs> carnage and wow. I think that as a, as a memory of sort of a game and then in there's been loads of moments throughout the year like lads who have come up with big goals or important blocks and there's too many to sort of go through but I think this sort of run that we've been on as as a collective and you see the crowds get bigger like we like like I said in our WhatsApp group we get an allocated amount of tickets for family like Kutsi Asu wants tickets and then he's putting like do you know what I mean like everything it's sold out like you just can't can't get tickets and that sort of that feeling, that vibe, and I think for me that the two games against Harrogate, uh, good ones for me. Um, yeah, I mean, did so we, we did have there. a specific question in from that. So Chris Lanigan on on Facebook, he, he goes after essentially a vote of no confidence from the Harrogate Town management team in your perceived abilities to perform in League Two. Were you elated, smug, or plain old professional regarding our two wins and two clean sheets against them this season? <laughs> Again, being all, all, brutally all honest, I'd say a mixture of all three yeah, yeah. because it wasn't anything to do with the fan base at the club, the players there. It was staff and that had made the decision that that they wanted to move me on. They wanted to keep it with more football league experience, and like a lot of a lot of those lads are some of my best mates in football. There's four or five that are coming to my wedding. There's a couple coming on my stag do. So there's lads who you know what I mean. You've got a good relationship with, so you don't want to see them annoyed or pissed off at the end of a game but and then the fan base were, were fantastic with me throughout my four years there there was no animosity there but yeah they they were good I enjoyed them yeah yeah, yeah. Have, um, so talk about the wedding and the stag do you have any of the Rovers players made it onto the list or did it just come a bit too late um, there was no so we had all the so the spots were all filled but then there's a few family members all that have dropped out so yeah, there's a few coming. I'm not going to name names on here because there might be a few that are um, <laughs> disappointed yeah, waiting for an invite. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, there's yeah, the stag. Do, none of them on the stag do, but yeah, there's um, there's a couple that uh, have made the wedding cut. Yeah, and, and obviously, uh, yeah, wedding and a stag do for a footballer, you got to get your your time in just right, haven't you? I mean, you got to, you got to squeeze it into a small period of time. Like, wh- yeah, when well, are they happening? Well, my um, I don't know if I should say it, my stag do's booked for. Sunday, May the 29th at six o'clock in the morning. So with a playoff final the well, day before potentially. Yeah. Um, but but no, like as you're planning a wedding, it's obviously costs a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. So if say we, I mean again we don't know what's going to happen towards the end of the season, but if it is to be the playoffs and but you, I literally have a, a three to four week window of you stag do your wedding, your honeymoon, you back in for pre season. So. <laughs> football like we spoke about the scheduling and stuff at the start of the season my missus will go through the fixtures and be like right where are you this week that week this week that week so planning to see family and whatever but but yeah it could be could be a good summer yeah yeah and so like during the week then so going back to that subject of of family time when do you manage to fit it in like especially when we had all those Tuesday Saturdays I mean like like, when are you doing it's a long it's a long slog so you I mean, I'm, I'll spend sort of Mondays and Tuesdays down here. We stereotypically have Wednesdays off, so back back to Nottingham Wednesdays, then back down here sort of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then so I'm sort of at home Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, yeah, so putting some miles on my motor, going up and down the, well, the M5, 
uh, M42, that sort of way back to Nottingham. But but yeah, it's like I said, I wouldn't change it um, for the experience and what we've done this season. And yeah, let's just go and put the cherry on the top. Yeah, and it's like your your family. I mean, your, your dad's on Twitter, I, I think, as well. I mean. They seem to be honorary gas heads. As oh, well. my, my no, old man! They, they absolutely love it, don't they? Yeah, me? my old my old man does love it. He'll, he'll he'll put a tweet out now and he says, "Oh, one of my gas head mates has messaged me and all this." So he'll get. I think it was his birthday the other week and went to watch Knots with him and put a tweet out and he's like, "There's over hundred likes on that one." Like <laughs> all um, gas head so and so following him or yeah or whatever. So yeah, no, we'll we, um, we get him on the podcast next. Yeah, he's um, but no, he's great. Again, he's he's one of them that's been a football fan all his life Notts County season ticket holder and I think for us as Notts County fans it's a very sort of similar sized club to Rovers yeah. and it's a very sort of similar dynamic in Nottingham as it is to Bristol with sort of again with Bristol City and Rovers and then Forest and Notts it's the, the similar sized clubs and yeah so we can kind of understand being part of the Rovers family sort of what's what's involved with playing in a city that's that's got a um, yeah two more big teams in it yeah so Belly I'm, I'm conscious of, of time and, and, and taking too much of your, your time up this evening um, probably final question we, we had a couple of these come on on Twitter but um, Ryan Mignano asks when will the statue be unveiled <laughs> hopefully it's not the one that was put on Twitter because I don't think that was <laughs> it, too flattering it was a bit uh, Cristiano Ronaldo when, yeah. when that statue got well, made when that, that, I think that was the Hartlepool game obviously the guy yeah. has come out and said that and he has a way of words doesn't he and then I remember I was sat with my missus having a coffee I think it was on the Sunday okay, it says oh Bristol Rovers have tagged you in a tweet so it comes up on my phone as you see the statue just start pissing myself laughing so to my missus I was like she's like what they're building that <laughs> I was like no I don't think so quite yet um, no there's um, like you said I, I don't know I think it caused a bit of a stir on Twitter I think there's a few people that actually took it seriously as so what's Belshaw done to, to get a statue but I think yeah it's all in good jest and I think yeah if I'm I don't know if I play 500 games then a few promotions then I might sort of start to ask for one but I think for now it's yeah we'll just we'll pass on that for now yeah mate carry on the way you are and that statue will be with us before you know it Max have you got any more quick I'm conscious that we've got the main man we do. belly with us I, I, I don't want to ruin this and, and miss an absolute pearl. Have you, have you got anything before we uh, we let him go? Um, I guess the main one is, obviously, we've got the run-in coming up, the, the final three games, the three cup finals, and the run we've been on. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I think confidence around the group is, is very high. And, yeah, the, there's no beating around the bush. These games feel different. Yes, it's three points on offer as was the case on the first game of the season against Mansfield but people know they, they feel different they feel different the build up to them they feel different going into them so you know what whatever happens it it's not going to be straightforward I think that's the Rovers way of doing it I think yeah. we like to make things yep. difficult for ourselves but you know what it's to be in this position now from where we were Massive, at the turn yeah. of the year I think is testament to everybody involved at the club and if we can go on and do it fantastic you know it'd be an incredible achievement but I just say to the fans people listening stick with us believe in us backers because the 11 players on the pitch at any given time are giving their absolute utmost for this club and we want it just as much as them so yeah stick with us backers keep singing the songs travel around the country and hopefully we'll give you a team to be proud of 
Well, on that note, we'll leave it there. James Belshaw, an absolute pleasure. Um, keep doing your thing. Um, and all that leaves us to say is up the gas. Up the gas. Yeah, up the gas. Yeah.